All right, all right, all right. Welcome back into the All BS uh, Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. Uh, kicking off today with some Major League Baseball news, uh, the never-ending proposals between the players and the owners. It's what, down to 72 games now, so more when we actually start playing games on that. Um, going to the NFL, uh, there's a report out that the Browns and, and Miles Garrett are talking a mega deal. What that mega deal looks like, I, you know, are we talking Aaron Donald money, like I don't know if he's necessarily worth that. What do you guys think? Uh, don't pay him. Just plain and simple, don't pay him. I think he was the most penalized defensive end in the league last year. Uh, and when you're giving up more first downs than you are getting sacks on the quarterback, potentially creating those third and long or fourth down opportunities, you're not doing your job. You're helping the other team. He's, he's not worth it. He puts up the statistics, but he in the wrong ways. Yeah, I'm I'm all for um, the potential of Miles Garrett because um, really he's one of the most disruptive players in the NFL. Um, that being said, he really doesn't have truly even the production numbers um, to this point. After uh, three years, he only has one full season. Obviously, with the suspension coming uh, last year uh, due to that end of the game shenanigans uh, with the Steelers. Um, yeah, like I said, there's there's not enough production there for a mega deal for something like Aaron Donald. Um, I could see him paying him, you know, maybe in the range of something in that seventeen to nineteen million dollars a year, though, making him one of the top paid. Uh, but unless he has a really big season this year, I'm, I'm talking like the twenty sack season, uh, you know, thirty thirty five tackles for loss, uh, you know, force fumbles, something in that nature. I just don't think the mega deal is worth it. Let's uh, keep the helmet swinging to a minimum this year, Miles. Well, it kind of this kind of reminds me. Granted, they're two totally different personalities, but like uh, Justin Houston when he was with the Chiefs, he had that huge like twenty sack season, and then they paid him, you know, JJ Watt money, which at the time was like the highest paid defensive player. And then I don't think he ever really came back to even close those even close to those numbers. He's still a great player, but he's not, he was never close to 20 sacks again. I think, I think he got some injuries and he kind of just floated around that 10, 12 sacks season, which again, good, but not $20 million a year. Good. Yeah. And you know, a little difference there was, you know, I guess he was coming off his fifth year. Miles Garrett's coming off his, or I guess it was fourth year. So pretty similar in, in area there, but, yeah, you're always gambling with what a player is going to come back is from a health standpoint. Justin Houston never really recovered his health um, for a couple of years. At that point, Chiefs had already moved on, um, you know, but then him posting, you know, 11 sacks with Indianapolis shows he still has it there. Uh, but yeah, is, is Miles Garrett going to be able to stay consistently healthy? Is he going to consistently stay on the field? Is he going to be able to cut back on penalties? These are all things that have to be looked at uh, during the contract talks. And uh, like I said, he's definitely worthy of those uh, – the, you know, that top tier contract, he demands a double team every time he's on the field. And that alone, uh, you know, is worth something. So yeah, it'd be really interesting what he see, what he can do this year, what he can put together. For sure. Moving on, Antonio Brown drops a hint that he might be joining another team here soon. Um, reports, no reports on what that team is, but uh, Lamar Jackson has been open about lobbying to bring uh, Antonio Brown to the Ravens play side by side with his cousin Hollywood Brown. Um, I know James has some pretty strong feelings about Antonio Brown. What do you what do you think about that, dude? You know, I'm all for second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. Um, but at some point, you you have to prove that you can humble yourself. And I don't know. I think it is a bit of a slight on the NFL if you just refuse. You know, and this goes for all players. This isn't just Antonio Brown. But when you just refuse to look at a player's off-field conduct uh, because of the talent that they have, that's what causes these type of issues. I mean, going all the way down to the lower levels, you know, when you let kids skip on schoolwork in high school because they're, you know, really talented football players. Uh, we have to hold people who play sports to a higher standard. And Antonio Brown has not proven that he can play to – even the most average of standards of uh, being a decent human being uh, off the field. So I don't know. I, I, I'm amazed. 
I guess I'm not that surprised with it being the Ravens. They'll bring in anybody, but yeah, really disappointed. This guy just seems to just continue to get chance after chance. Yeah. I mean, this again, this is yes, rumor mill, but the last kind of we heard in the Antonio Brown drama is that his agent, I think it's pronounced crew Rosenhaus. Yeah. Uh, dropped him. And with the condition, like, you know, you can come on back as soon as you get yourself some professional help. Yeah. Be it therapy or, you know, medical help for, you know, CTE testing, which is another rumor that's floating around ever since that Vontez Perfect hit that this could potentially be a real thing for Antonio Brown. There's, you know, that brain damage factor that's causing all these issues. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been one of the biggest, you know, fans, I guess you could say, of Antonio Brown. I think that he's truly one of the, maybe the most talented football player to ever step on the field. Um, with the type of seasons and stuff he was putting together, he could have challenged any record ever put up by a wide receiver. Um, and that includes Jerry Rice's all-time receiving yards with the pace he was on and the longevity that we see in the league today. Um, but again, it just comes down to, you know, humbling yourself before your teammates, humbling yourself before um, your peers in your community and um, and yourself and yourself. Uh, but again, we see, we just see this two faced version of Antonio Brown. You see him come out, you see him do these interviews where he's a reformed man. Uh, and then the next thing you see, he's, you know, flying around his backyard, uh, because he just got released from the Raiders, you know, and then a week later he's upset cause they won't pay him, you know, and it, it's just, this, it's this never ending cycle. Um, and I think, it's terrible move for the Ravens unless this guy has actually turned his life around because you have a team that's really budding, that's really turning into something. And Antonio Brown is just cancer for your locker room. You hear about it. All the stuff that Mike Tomlin hid from us, um, really speaking to his coaching, uh, and his ability as a player's coach, the stuff that was kept from the public. Uh, he's, just, he's just not a good player for your team. So, you know, I hope the Ravens make a good choice there. Yeah, and we don't know if he's even going to see the field. I mean, obviously, even if he gets signed by a team, we don't know if he's going to see the field because of what the NFL still has to figure out with his uh, court hearings. I mean, he pleaded no contest to his charge in, in Florida. So a lot, lot to be determined there. All right, moving on. So with today's episode, I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to talk some fantasy and uh, fantasy running backs. And obviously, the first and foremost is a little bit of news. Uh, we don't want to get too crazy with it because we'll talk about it, obviously. But uh, with Dalvin Cook's holdout, um, on well, let's talk just specifics as far as running backs and contracts, guys. Um, last last I heard, he was looking for somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen million as a reasonable deal, quote unquote. Um, I think it'd be hard for it, it's it's hard in this day and age to pay running backs that kind of money. What do you guys What do you guys think? Um, that's personally outside of my comfort zone just because he's got the one good season with injuries in the previous seasons I was thinking the Vikings could afford more in that 10 to 12 range preferably closer to that 10 just because again you know if you look at his past as a as a blueprint to his future he's going to be hurt a lot he's not going to be there a full season I don't think he was this last season this last season with the great season so and they have a great backup in Alexander Madison. Um, I, I think they do probably get him the $13 million somehow just because they need it. But uh, I, I just – I would try and talk it down. Yeah, I think, you know, holdouts are one of my least favorite things when it comes to the NFL. Um, again, when you're, when you're holding out before the body of work is there, uh, he's got three seasons in the league. He's got no full seasons under his belt. Um, he's got one season where he rushed for 1,100 yards, had some receiving yards. Um, again, the potential is there, but you don't hold out because you have potential. Um, you're not going to find a better deal anywhere else. You've seen this with running backs. You don't take the offer that you get um, in-house. You typically don't go find a better offer somewhere else. Um, it's usually the team that kind of has invested you in you that's going to give you one of your better offers. Um Hashtag that being Elden said, Gordon. he does have a lot of potential. Um, get rid of the holdout. Play this season out. Uh, play out the final deal of your con- your contract or the final final year of your contract, and then um, reassess. If you come back with another big year, 
now we can talk in that 13 million range. Yeah, we if we just look into the recent history of holdouts, was Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott, proven commodity, proven health. Proven, proven. I mean, yeah. one of the best running backs that we've seen. You know, And if, if you're that level of player, go ahead and hold out. You have, you have the body work, hold out. I'm all for it, whatever. But Yeah, I mean, he, he's got the proven longevity too, which, so yeah, you, you have two rushing titles. You help us win games, let's do it. And then you look at Melvin Gordon. He's a great player, but he's never never had a full season under his belt. Maybe he would have this season had he not held out into the regular season. Well, look how easily he was replaced with Austin Eckler. I mean, Austin Eckler had a phenomenal year jumping into that system. You see the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. James easy, Conner. Easy, easy, Let's get into it. Here James Conner comes into that system. It just comes down to holdouts and, and the availability, and that's where it gets really, really unfortunate for running backs. If you hold out, typically the next man up comes in and usually does as good as you because you're you're a product of your system and your team. So yeah, I mean, even back to Zeke for a second when he was holding out in the preseason, everyone was talking Tony Pollard. They're yeah. like, oh yeah, this guy's going to step right in and to take Zeke's job. And then the Cowboys, you know, ended, uh, ended up giving Zeke the money because I do think Zeke's a better player than so far Pollard's all he's proven to be is a great change of pace back. Sure. And with that, let's get into some rankings, fantasy rankings, tier rankings. Um, we're going to start at the bottom and move our way up to the top tier type of guys. Um, kind of did a little bit of a difference, have a difference opinion on a few guys here. So I'll kick it off, I think. In uh, my list, um, I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire at number 20. Um, I think this guy could, uh, I, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a uh, real good, we don't have a, obviously no NFL experience, but I think in this offense, he could be a total cheat code um, and make this offense go to the next level with the speed that they have at wide out, uh, the experience they have in the running back room with, I mean, Damian Williams had held that team, you know, put that team on his back a little bit towards the end of the season last year. Um, and then this this kid I think is is even even better. So I I think it's I think he's got a real potential um, to obviously be in my top twenty if not higher. I think so. I don't think it's fair that you get to give my ninth ranked player away <laughs> with your twentieth. Uh, I don't really have necessarily rankings. I have kind of tiers, but I definitely have Clyde Edwards Hilaire in my my upper. Uh, range of running backs, specifically the Chiefs offense is just going to be good again. I mean, McCole Hardman um, stepping up, he's going to be a second year guy. He showed that he's more than just a speedster. You bring back Travis Kelsey, who's a formidable blocker, amazing uh, threat, wide receiver, or receiving uh, standpoint. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, Same. Patrick Mahomes. You have all these weapons. Um, and, and all it takes is Patrick Mahomes saying, yeah, I'll check down, which he's proven he will do. Um, he's going to be a beast in the PPR standpoints. And really, I mean, since Mahomes has been the quarterback there, they have really not had troubles at running back. Anybody who steps into that position has done pretty solid. And I think that um, Edwards Hilaire is going to come in. He has, he has that next factor that's going to really unleash on this offense. And I think he's going to be really, really good. Well, I do. I'm, I'm in agreement with the talent for you, James. But I agree with Nick as far as the ranking. I have him as 17 personally, um, just because, as you said, any running back that's in there is successful. So I think Edward Tiller is going to split time with Damian Williams, especially early on as he gets more familiar with the playbook, with pass blocking schemes that he'll be asked to do as the running back as well that might get audibled out to where he's becomes a new passing option or a rushing option. I, I think that's been a trend uh, recently with young running backs is that they get, get off to a slow start just so that they can get a handle on the playbook and things like that. So I think by season's end, he could very well be the bell cow putting up 20 plus fantasy points a week. But I think early on it's going to be a split, split time. I, I think this is going to be more, 
And I could, I could definitely, you know, understand your guys' arguments there, but I think this is going to be more of a Kareem Hunt situation. I think this is a guy who steps right in, uh, just show. I mean, he has all the physical tools. He has all the talent. He's a little bit undersized, but he's proven runner in college. Uh, I think Damian Williams is going to be really put on notice, and he's going to become more of a the backup um, to Edwards Hilaire very early on. And I expect um, Hilaire to come out early, um, be a guy who's catching three to five passes um, per game, you know, over the period of time. And then uh, from there, you know, giving you 60, 80 yards rushing, you know, with a TD every, you know, other week or so. So that's my expectation there. And that's why I have him ranked up there at nine. Um, moving on, I think I've, I've got a couple here and I'm just going to, I'm going to go and list it. I'm going to go and list off two running backs here. Uh, I kind of have them in my honorable mentions area because um, for me, they're kind of tricky and that's Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Uh, two guys that are going to come into an offense. that's going to clearly be uh, driven by the run. However, going to be splitting carries uh, Marlon Mack coming off of a year where he just had his first thousand yard rushing season. If he can stay healthy, he's going to, I think, repeat something along those lines. Uh, but he's going to be losing some carries to uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, both guys could end up being a top five, top eight running back, but they could also end up being guys that, you know, split the carries and don't do anything for you. So it's really tricky, but I think worth a gamble if you're feeling it. Yeah, I mean, to, to keep in the honorable mentions um, type of deal there, I, I, I've got Jordan How uh, Howard for the Dolphins and Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon makes me a little nervous, um, you know, with Philip Lindsay, who showed he could be certainly productive in the NFL. Um, so I do, do believe they'll be splitting backs there uh, or split, splitting carries and, and touches there. So uh, Melvin Gordon outside of my top 20. Uh, Jordan Howard, uh, um, kind of going along the lines of what, you know, James was saying with, uh, with the, the Indianapolis Colts and that heavy run game. The, this, the, the Dolphins are going to want to do a power run style. And this, this Jordan Howard is – proven that he can he's been productive in the nfl he he split carries last year with miles sanders actually had more rushing yards than miles sanders um and he's going to be the one two three down back in the you know one at least one two down back in this in this offense and with this power running game and his style of run he's just going to wear defenses out and i can see him breaking easily into the top 20 uh i agree with you there um with James on the uh, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack scene there. I, me as a fantasy owner, I, unless I'm getting them really late rounds, I can't bring myself to touch either one of them because at any given week, one could get 15, uh, 15 fantasy points while the other one has three and it can very easily switch. Uh, so the talents there, I, you're talking from a, at real football standpoint, I'd love to have I, both of them on my team. As far as fantasy goes, I just can't bring myself to touch them unless I'm getting them in the later rounds. Uh, let's see here. As far as Nick was go going, he had Melvin Gordon outside of his top 20. I have him at 19. I think he's just too good of a player. I think he's significantly better than Philip Lindsay. Just size, goal line ability. He has he puts in great goal line work. When the Chargers get down there, they give the ball to him and he makes it home. Her, Melvin Gordon, up until this last year when he held out, was my fantasy football hero. I'd always managed to get him somehow, and he would pay off pay dividends. He never broke a thousand yards, but he'd always be like eight to ten rushing touchdowns with about 50, 60 receptions for a few more touchdowns there with lots of yardage. And I think they're going to do that here here in Denver as well. Uh, Philip Lindsay will be will still get his share, but Gordon has that one, two, three down ability, and with the goal line work, Lindsay could find himself kind of being an afterthought. Yeah. So, uh, ooh, you know, I'm actually surprised that I don't have you know I don't have Philip Lindsay like in my top twenty, but um, I, I do have Philip Lindsay higher than Melvin Gordon, and it's a situation where. It's the same thing that I have with Marlon Mack and uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you look, you talk touchdowns. You've got uh, Melvin Gordon, who from 2016, he's got 10, 8, 10, 8. Uh, but then we can jump over uh, to Philip Lindsay, 
who in two seasons has a thousand rushing yards in both seasons, um, averaging five point yards, five point four yards a carry and four point five yards a carry. He's got nine touchdowns and seven touchdowns. He's in the exact same tier um, as Melvin Gordon, but he's a better runner all around. He's a better bell cow runner than uh, Melvin Gordon. They're going to go back and forth on the goal line. They're going to go back and forth in passing. I think Melvin Gordon is going to get an edge in passing, so PPR, uh, maybe like a really late guy. Um, but again, those are just two guys. And on top of that, you still have Royce Freeman, who is a legitimate threat on the goal line. Um, too much, too much sharing there again to really say that those those would be, you know, even in my top twenty. All right. Well, so um, Brian, quick hit on your twentieth back since we're we're gonna move on quick here. Uh, my twentieth, I have, and I really hate to put him this low, but it's it's Mark Ingram. I I just I want to raise him. I want to bring him higher, but because just the way uh, Baltimore is run, he's still gonna get like ten fifteen touches. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins is going to come in, and he's going to get some touches as well. I think the only reason why I have him this low is from a volume standpoint. I think he's still going to be really efficient. I just don't think he's going to get, say, the volume of everyone else ahead of him. Uh, that being said, I was re- doing some reading, reading in the last few years. He's pretty much finished as a, inside the top 12 of fantasy running backs, which is why I just want to put him up there. I want to raise him, but I just can't bring myself to do it. And he's probably going to surprise me and I'm going to wish I did. I just can't do it right now. (laughs) Sure. And I I can respond to that because I have JK Dobbins in my honorable mentions. I think he's the guy that has a ton of potential. Um, I think he was one of the, you know, top three backs in this draft. Um, I have Mark Ingram up at, you know, 14th for me, just because of his body of work he produces Every single year, it seems like when he's on the field, uh, and he almost seems to have his best years when he has another another guy. You saw how effective he was in fantasy, um, even when Alvin Kamara was breaking into onto the scene in New Orleans. Um, so he's shown that even when he's sharing carries, uh, when he's sharing snaps, he can still be uh, incredibly effective, and that's why I have him a little bit higher up. Oh, wow. his efficiency, yeah, is nothing to joke around with. He'll still get at least four and a half yards per carry that he has there in Baltimore. Well, he's getting up there in age and we've seen the the cliff come real quick for running backs so when they when they hit a certain age there. Yeah, but. I have him labeled in my high risk potential exactly for that reason. He's at that age where you can go one way or the other, those carries start to add up. Go, moving on here a little bit, I'm gonna talk about uh David Johnson. We're talking about volume and efficiency. He's 19 in my rankings um, based solely on the fact that he's really the only guy there. I don't have too much confidence in that offensive system right now. Um, I have to see it, I guess. Uh, I mean, David Johnson hasn't produced in a long time, but again, I think, I think it's, it's solely because he's the only one there. So I don't know where you guys think. He's not the only one there though. Um, Yeah. David Johnson's bread and butter is the passing game, and Duke Johnson is right up there in the passing game effectiveness of, of a running back. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be really difficult because Duke Johnson is going to be there. He is um, he, he has the system down, so he's going to be the early go-to. David Johnson really has to come in and, and impress somebody. Um, I was just looking here. Uh, David Johnson hasn't averaged more than four yards of carry since 2016. Um, obviously 2017 was the injury year, um, 2018, he comes back, plays 16 games, doesn't break a thousand yards. Um, and 2019 he was getting, uh, you know, some more injuries and then Kenyon Drake came in, stepped up, took kind of over that role as the guy. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's, there's a wish for David Johnson. He was kind of a Cinderella story, um, you know, coming from a small school kind of broke onto the scene. Um, look to be that next guy, but again, with running backs, you know your career can be over as quick as it started. Yeah, I, I have David Johnson out outside of my top twenty just for that reason. I think I think he's gonna gonna get volume just because I think right as of right now he's the best 
just pure rushing options. So he's going to be able to hold up to that work. volume. That's yeah. That's yeah. why I have him outside the top twenty. I just yeah. I don't think he does it. All right, moving on here. Uh, I guess I, I can see that with Duke Johnson. I just I'm not sure about his usage last season. Um, just anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, Gurley, Todd Gurley, number eighteen on my list. Uh, I'm nervous about him, his health. He's, I mean, we've seen how explosive he can be. He did just recently pass his physical, so he's got a clean, clean bill of health. Uh, I'm just worried about this offensive line in uh, in Atlanta. I think it, it it was not good last year. They gave up 48 sacks, um, and I mean, Todd Gurley failed to be a, a production a product. Uh, a successful runner behind the crap offensive line that the LA Rams had, and he's not going to get anything better here in LA. So I, I'm nervous about him uh, coming into this season. Yeah. So I have Todd Gurley kind of in my third tier of running backs, the, the high risk with potential. Um, in my opinion, if you love Todd Gurley, if you're a big Todd Gurley fan, if you're excited to see him at Atlanta, um, I could see you taking him very early and taking the risk on him because Again, it's something where there's a high risk and a high reward. Um, but I completely agree with a lot of the things that Nick is saying. Um, number one, we have to see can he be healthy again. Uh, seems like he passed the physical, and that's not going to be an issue. Um, he is a threat catching the ball as well as running the ball. So um, we do know uh, Matt Ryan likes to get the ball out to running backs. Um, Devontae Freeman's no longer there. Tevin Coleman's no longer there. Um, so he's going to have some more opportunities to kind of come in and be the guy, which is where he kind of excels. It's when he's splitting carries with other guys where he kind of struggles. He almost needs to get into that second, third quarter, you know, blitz, and then he kind of starts to take off. So I actually uh, have Gurley up at 15, and that's really only because of the injury risk with him. If if he was 100% healthy, if you could kind of trust that knee, he'd be higher. Just because if you look at the Rams season, towards the back half when they – we're like, oh, no, we might miss the playoffs. They started giving Gurley the body of work that someone of his talent is due, and he was use, he was doing well with it, even with the bad Rams offensive line. So I don't really see his, his situ, offensive line situation has changed from the Rams to the Falcons outside of he might have a better run-blocking center in Alex Mack. Um, that, being, that being said, I think they – I think outside of Gurley, the Falcons' running back room is garbage, uh, and so but he's going to be I, the guy. I think that is good for him, um, and I think it is really important. He has a really, you know, whether you love Matt Ryan or not, he's an elite quarterback. He is in that top echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL every single year, and um, I think he will benefit tremendously from that veteran-style offense. Um, being able to check him into the right reads, being able to get out of things, and also just being able to back players up with guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the outside. Yeah, and just to my last point, uh, I said this in an earlier podcast, the Falcons are in full desperation mode. They have to win now. Dan Quinn knows he has to win now or he's going to get fired. So they went and got Gurley for one reason, to help them win games. He's going to get 20 touches a game until he can't. Absolutely. And so we'll move on from there to my next guy, Lois, that we haven't talked about yet at 18, uh, is Austin Eckler. Oh, whoa. Yeah. All they, right. They, and let me tell you why. So uh, Austin Eckler had Phillip Rivers as his quarterback last year and no Melvin Gordon for, you know, first four or five games of the season. Uh, so he got to establish himself as the starter there, which I think he obviously will, will still be that this year, but... Philip Rivers got gave him ninety receptions, which I think was probably and then so that's about a probably 110, 120 targets. That's not gonna happen again with Tyrod Taylor. Uh Tyrod Taylor's gonna use his feet more to kind of get himself out of trouble, maybe rush for those first downs rather than check it down. I think he's still gonna get the check down work. I think a lot of the scheme is gonna involve Eckler getting the ball. I just don't, just don't think that he's going to get the checkdown work, and I'm going to probably take 20, 30 receptions away from him for that. As far as rushing, uh, yeah, I think he had about 180 carries. 
I think that will... 132 carries. 132 carries? 557 yards. Yeah, three so. rushing touchdowns. Just run through a stat line here. 92 receptions for 993 yards and 10.8 yards per reception. Eight receiving touchdowns. Yeah. So the running game wasn't there. It's going to continue not to be there. Just That's not his his forte. They're going to bring in someone like uh, Jace. I think it's J.C. Jackson is the next guy up behind him. The 2018 season when Melvin Gordon was hurt, J.C. Jackson got the rushing touches. Austin Eckler got the passing touches. And I think that's going to be the story here. Yeah, I mean, Austin Eckler's 12th in my rankings. Uh, I, I know that he's not the best between the tackles guy, but I think that's their game plan. I think with 92 receptions and 900 yards as a running back, that's that's not that's not just because you have to check down. That's built into the into the game plan. So Austin Eckler checks in at at, at uh, um, oh, well, uh, twelve. Yeah, like I said, twelfth twelfth in my in my rankings. Uh, you know, I mean, I built mine off of PPR, so I don't. I, I mean, I apologize, but uh, yeah, I, I think that Austin Eckler is going to have a, a much more successful season than than eighteen. Right, and I, I agree with Nick here. Um, I, I personally have him at 16 for me, um, and that's just because there's just a lot of decent running backs in the NFL right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I dispel the idea that um, Austin Eckler was getting receptions due to checkdowns. Uh, if you put on the film, there were a lot of screens. I mean, this is a guy that lined up in the slot. This is a guy that lined up out wide for different screens. The, the, the offense and getting the ball to him was really – designed to get him the ball um even going back um you know he, he had 400 yards receiving which is very solid as a as a receiver the year before um you know and he had he only had 108 targets he had 92 catches and 108 targets so this is a guy who's very very sure-handed um in situations where they're designing plays to get the ball in his hand uh so whether or not tyrod taylor is the quarterback there who I don't think you trust to come in and, and own a game. I think you trust him to come in and be a really savvy veteran and um, to execute a game plan, which with the way that the Chargers like to keep their offense moving, uh, it's going to involve a lot of stuff getting it to the running backs. Um, and we'll just kind of go go with that. So I think that's a really good move there. Um, going on, I think same type of guy, talking about Phillip Rivers, I think it's really good timing there. Uh, my next ranked guy at like 15 for me would be um, Naeem Hines, which I think is uh, kind of going to be surprising for a lot of people. But I think this is, as far as in a PPR league, this is going to be the surest Colts running back uh, as far as production, I believe, this year. Uh, this is a kid who had uh, 63 receptions as a rookie, only second to Saquon Barkley uh, in an efficient Andrew Luck-driven offense. Uh, so with Phillip Rivers coming in, you could see that you could easily see him at that 90, 100 receptions. Uh, even if he does only have 300, 400 yards like Austin Eckler did, he's going to be very, very productive from the passing. I'm just not sure if I can see him being a, at least the 15th ranked running back just because he's not going to get any rushing opportunities what would you have, whatsoever. What, what would you have had Austin Eckler ranked as last year? Ranked after him? the season ended. After the season? I mean, he was. He was like the number six, number six fantasy back or something like that. But he still had 130 carry uh, carries. Like he still got some rushing work. We you're telling have, he only had 400 yards. Well, I saying. understand that, but if you're in a rushing opportunity, are you going to put Naeem Hines in there, or are you going to do Marlon Mack or and Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor? Taylor. Yeah. Like I would be surprised if Naeem Hines has 50 carries this year. Yeah, he's he's definitely RB three. In that in that backfield, I feel like um, moving on. Uh, I, uh, I want to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, next up on my list, seventeen is uh, Chris Carson. Um, I know that's a crowded backfield um, already, but I think I think um, Pete Carroll and ever and and uh, that coaching staff has leaned on Chris Carson over the last couple of years. Um, and I think he's shown that he could carry the load last year. I know he got, I know he got hurt, but it was, it was a fluke injury. Um, came down on, on, I think it was his ankle. Um, you know, somebody came down on his ankle, but um, 
I think, yeah, I think he's, you know, they, they want to still try to run this ball a lot and that's, and that's what they're going to do. I mean, they brought in, um, uh, they, yeah, they brought in, oh, Cremony, the guy who, Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde. Thank you. Was at the Texans. Yeah. Um, Carlos Hyde to just be a depth piece there. I feel like, um, just, just in case he does go down, but I think, I think they're going to lean on Chris Carson. Uh, yes, I, I actually have Chris Carson as my 13th just cause they are run first team and he is going to be the starting running back, uh, come week one of the football season. Now, a lot of it is going to depend on him being healthy and, uh, fixing his fumbling problem that he was having throughout that year. And I think he does, uh, he, at least the fumbling problem. I can't speak to his injury health, but what I do know is that I'm pretty sure he's in a contract year. And so the Seahawks are going to want to know what they are going to want to see him perform before they give him a contract. So they're going to give him the ball early and often because they don't want Carlos Hyde to stick around. He's old. He's just an insurance piece, but they do have Rashad Penny waiting there in the uh, waiting there, but he is not going to be ready week one either. When was the last time the Seahawks had uh, running back make it through a season? Early Marshawn Lynch years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for that for that reason, I I don't have any Seahawks uh, in my top twenty. That being said, I could easily put any of them in a high risk, high reward situation. Um, just with the the style of play that the Seahawks seem to play, um, and and whatever the case be. Um, they just can't seem to keep guys healthy. And Chris Carson could easily come in and really be a top five back. Uh, but it comes down to, is he going to be able to stay healthy? And I just couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger on that one. I will say that it's fun to watch, watch him run because that dude runs with, with fury. Yes. Like he runs hard and that's probably why he never stays healthy, but it's also why he's effective. Uh, let's see, the next on my list, we talked Edwards Hilaire at 17. So 16, I have Le'Veon Bell with the Jets there, and I think it's purely a volume ranking there. He is the one and only guy. He's going to get the carries. He's going to get the passing opportunity like he did this, this last year. I think he had quite a few receptions, but they just didn't amount to much in the yardage department because the Jets are just not good. And they're probably not going to be good this year, but they did address the, the offensive line, so he should get some help in that sense. They address the offensive line with people that are, I don't know, I mean, outside of the, 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 the draft, the guys they hire, they brought in in free agency are maybe as good as the guys that are were there before. I, you know, I think, yeah, I think my biggest question mark with Le'Veon Bell is because can he have more than four touchdowns, you know? He I mean, absolutely that, will. I mean, that's what he had last year. And I, I just – I don't know that in a jet system with Adam Gase, with Sam Darnold, I don't know that he's going to be better. I mean, he averaged only uh, 3.2 yards a carry last year. Um, he just he just wasn't that good. I mean, he, he he was a shell of his former self in Pittsburgh when he had the supporting cast. And the offensive uh, line. Obviously, we know he has the potential. Uh, I just think it's a very, very risky. I left him off my top 20. Uh, just because he's so risky with the Jets. Um, obviously, that entire offense, we never know anything with that. It could take a giant leap forward. He could get back to his 1,000-yard rushing, 500 yards receiving, 14 total touchdowns. But looking at the fact that he had four total touchdowns passing and uh, or receiving and rushing, that's just I don't think that bodes well. I think you're at a pretty big risk going with him. Yeah, I, I agree um, with pretty much everything James said. I, I I don't trust Gase. I don't trust that offensive line. I uh, Le'Veon's another year older. Um, he, his style of running does not fit what Gase wants to do. So uh, he's off of my top twenty um, with that too. Yeah, and so I have my kind of rankings messed up a little bit here. So it looks like going to my my last high risk guy with a lot of potential. Um, you know, kind of keying off of Le'Veon Bell here. Technically, my 19th ranked back is James Conner. Uh, same type of situation. A lot of potential there. Obviously, Big Ben being back, he's going to uh, be able to have a lot more freedom running the ball. A healthy Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, uh, the, the wide receiver they just drafted at Clay, Chase, Clay, Chase Claypool. Claypool. Yeah. Can't believe I just spaced that. Chase Claypool, 
Deontay John Deontay Johnson can't even talk today. Uh, James Washington. They have this supporting cast. Everything's there. They're returning the offensive line. I think he could come back, but again, he's a really risky pick. Um, that being said, the last time he and Big Ben were on a field together, he was a top ten fantasy football uh, running back. So keep an eye out there. Yeah, I, I have Connor in my honorable mentions, not in my top twenty, but and that's simply because of health. Sure. He it, he last year it seemed like he would get healthy. He'd come on, he'd get 10, 10 touches, and he'd just re-hurt himself or hurt something else, and then he'd be gone for another game or two, come back, and same thing all over again. Yeah, I think if uh, Pittsburgh can get that number two guy and you could uh, pick up whoever they're going to be coming in, bringing in uh, when he is hurt or when he's getting his uh, load management and things like that, then that's a really safe bet there because obviously when he's not in, somebody else is going to step in. Uh, Samuels proved to be a really legitimate pass catcher last year. I think he had in one game, he had like 13 or 15 receptions or something, uh, six foot two, but he played tight end in college. Uh, so solid guy there. If you're looking for somebody late rounds, things like that, I think that's something to definitely keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, the whole, that whole Steelers offense is as far as the running game is, it does make me a little nervous. So he, James Conner is outside my top 20 as well. Um, moving to somebody who may have been in uh, a high risk, high reward player last year in my number 16 ranked, um, running back this year, it's Raheem Mostert for the 49ers. Um, they, they, they got rid of Matt Breida, um, in a trade to the Dolphins. Mostert last year had 720 or excuse me, 772 yards rushing. Breida had 623. So for the, for them to lose that kind of carry share. Uh, and for uh, their running game, I think Mostert is uh, ha- has the potential to be a major player in this year's this year's running backs uh, in fantasy. Yeah, he, he's in my honorable mentions again, and that's simply for you know you don't know what's going to happen week to week. I'm a consistency guy. I'll take a guy that's going to get me solid points every week rather than a guy that's going to hit a home run and then be gone the next. And that's and that's what Mostert and Tevin Coleman did for you last year. If you hit right on the right week, you know, you loved them, and then you're like, yes, you're going to start this guy every week, and then next week they got you two points, and you're like, what is happening? And I don't see that changing. It might level out a bit more now that Breed is gone, but it's still going to be, okay, this week's Tevin Coleman's the guy. Next week, Raheem Mostert's the guy. And you're going to go through stretches like that. Yeah, and, and personally, I left I, I left all the 49ers running backs out of my top 20. Uh, and, it, and it's exactly that. It comes down to consistency. Um, with If you're just looking at you know the top 100, obviously these guys are not even top 100. But if you're even looking at top 30, top 40, these guys are definitely in there. Uh, with the NFL evolving the way it is, uh, clearly – you know, the way that they run their offense in San Francisco, they're not trying to feed the ball to any one guy. They're trying to give it to whoever is the hot hand. Uh, and you just don't know who that hot hand is. Nick does make some good points with, uh, you know, one less running back in that room that was a big part of the offense last year. Uh, but that brings up the question mark of, is this the year that Tevin Coleman steps up a little bit more and takes more of the load? Uh do they still have Jarek McKinnon on the roster too? Technically, yes. Yeah, so you, you do have technically Jarek McKinnon who could come in and who knows what he's going to do. But, yeah, it, it's intriguing. Definitely something to look at um, if he's there in the you know in the third round. Definitely worth looking at if, if you're not seeing anybody else. Next guy on my list, number 14, uh, Miles Sanders. I like him just because so far he is the guy in Philadelphia, and I expect him to be the guy. I just also expect Philadelphia to come in at, and get another guy to be, you know, that second running back to get some touches, get give Miles Sanders a break. That being said, I think Miles Sanders is going to be the pass catching option as well. And down the second half of the season, he proved he he can be an every down back. He got a lot of Christian McCaffrey comparisons. Not that I think he will be, he will be Christian McCaffrey, but if he can get 70% of Christian McCaffrey's volume, he's going to be a great back. 
Yeah, I mean, with 1,300 uh, scrimmage yards in his rookie year, uh, three receiving, six total touchdowns, um, pretty solid uh, pick there. I, he ended up not making my list just because the way I made my list. I have him right around that, technically, that 15, 16 mark. Um, so right in line with Brian having him at 14. Um, but 15 and on is kind of where I went into my high-risk situation. But, no, I agree. He's definitely going to be that guy if he can take that next step forward, which – seem to seem to be in the blueprint there yeah I mean Miles Sanders for me is actually my 10th ranked running back uh mostly because he's going to be the bell cow now uh they 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 lost Jordan Howard in free agency to the Dolphins who again had more rushing yards uh last year than than Miles Sanders Miles Sanders but that's just because he was there I I I think they turned they saw what Miles Sanders can do uh, they turn and they're going to turn him into the running the the main running back now. Though they do have Corey Coleman, who uh, you know is going to be there for a depth piece, but I believe Miles Sanders is going to be uh, the bell cow that that really takes this offense um, after after what the Eagles did this off season. I think he's going to be real real good again. Top ten running back in my in my rankings. Yeah. So with that, I'm uh, just kind of moving on. Uh, to my list here, I have them as like solid choices, uh, bell cows, guys that are going to be every down backs. Uh, for me, guys that are you know going to be really effective running the ball, but also going to be effective catching the ball. So just listing off a few guys here. I have Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, uh, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, uh, Dalvin Cook. I think I skipped Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I had him up there third there. Um, all going to be the guys there that I'm looking at that, you know, if you are picking in that late first round, uh, early second round, looking for your guy, um, some of the best running backs are gone. These are going to be the guys you want to go to, um, to kind of salt solidify that running back room for you. Uh, yeah, I think I like a lot of those names. Uh, I think Mixon, I have him at 12. He's, he's just pure, pure volume rank for me there i think he was about four yards a carry uh just but i fully expect the Bengals to still be bad aaron jones uh next is next up for me um i don't think he repeats what he did last year he had a lot of touchdowns but i think still think he's going to be good just because uh aaron Rodgers clearly trusts him when he's on the field aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to get him the ball but that being said they did take a running back in the second round too with Jamal Williams. So they kind of got a committee there. And as, as with the draft and free agency in general, Matt LaFleur has shown that he doesn't give a rat's ass about what Aaron Rodgers thinks. So he, he will go, he will fall down. Yeah. I mean, I actually have Aaron Jones as my seventh ranked running back because I do think, I think, I think, I do think that uh, he's the best running back in that system. And Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers does trust him when he's on the field. That being said, yeah, Jamal Williams is the pass catching back, but uh, and they they brought in AJ Dillon. I just that for me in the second round, he was a bit of a reach. He's 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 not a, he's not a good runner as far as his vision on the field. Um, so for me, like I think I think that'll get weeded out pretty early in this in this NFL season. So I think Aaron Jones kind of stands alone at the top of that uh, at the top of that running back room when it's all said and done. Um, Joe Mixon, yeah, you said Joe Mixon. Pure volume is 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 kind of where I'm at with that. That offensive line still needs a lot of work. Bringing in a rookie quarterback, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what kind of respect they give Joe Burrow as far as the defense and sacking the box against Joe Mixon. He comes in at 13 in my rankings. Josh Jacobs, I love, I love Josh Jacobs this year. He's number nine on my list. Um, I can't wait to see him on the field. Uh, he was he was he was. He was high on my he was high on my list last year, and, and for him as a, uh, to come into this system again, uh, I'm excited to see him play. Um, I what, have I, I have him at eight, eight, just ahead of Kenyon Drake, just because I fully expect him to get a more passing work this year. I'm glad you brought up Kenyon Drake. He comes in at number eleven in my list, which I think could easily easily he could easily be in the top five in this list. I I, I think. I think standard leagues easily top five. I think PPR is where he kind of starts to blur the lines, and that's I have him at fourteen personally. I just wanted to. I think if depending on your league, he's he's going to fall in different situations. But well, I mean, they obviously, yeah, Arizona obviously trusts Kenyon Drake, and we've seen him be a be a bell cow when he was with the Dolphins um, in twenty eighteen, I believe, when he ended the season, um, being the guy 
um, in the last five games, and he led, he was lead, led the league in rushing in those last five games. Um, so I, I think I think that's why they made the trade with uh, with uh, uh, Texans to send David Johnson because they know that they have their guy in Kenyon Drake. And I, like I said, he comes in at number eleven, but I think he could easily break into that top top tier six, seven, five somewhere in there. Yeah, so just kind of bouncing back here. So personally, I have Leonard Fournette because he didn't get a lot of conversation there. I have Leonard Fournette up at uh, six for me. Uh, coming off of a 76 re- reception season, I think in PPR, that's that's extremely valuable. Uh, let's see. Lost it here. Yeah, 500 yards receiving. Uh, but then on top of that, he does have, you know, he has the one bad year in 2018 in you know, in the middle of his career, I guess you could say. Other than that, you pretty much know you're going to get a thousand plus yards out of him. Um, and I think with Gardner Minshew being the quarterback, he continues to see the ball come his way. And then, yeah, with Joe Mixon, I do have him seven. I have him higher than these other guys here. Uh, personally, he's coming off back to back 1,100 yard rushing seasons, um, eight touchdowns, five touchdowns, um, consistently. Cons- Sorry, my phone is glitching out here. Consistent in the passing game as well with, you know, right around 14, 1500 scrimmage yards total. Uh, so you get, yeah, you get volume, but you get consistency with Joe Mixon over the last couple of years. And then you pair that with, uh, a, you know, a rookie quarterback. And I can only expect him to get more usage uh, to try to make that offense friendly for the quarterback. So I think he's easily a fringe guy. He could, I could easily put him in my upper guys. That's how high I am on Joe Mixon. Yeah. I, I guess I could see that the one guy that I, we kind of skipped over here that I that I didn't see anybody talk about and that I don't want to I don't want to not mention uh, Devin Singletary for the Bills. Um, I think he's the I think again the bell cow. I think he's the guy in that in that backfield. I have him coming in at 15 in my rankings. Um, he can do it all. He's a he's a rusher. He's a pass catcher. He has one of the best yards after contact in the NFL. Um, so I, I like I said I just didn't want to skip over him before. Uh, before we talk about anybody else. I do have him in my honorable mentions outside my top 20 just because I think they took Zach Moss in the third round, big guy, so I think he's inside the 10. He's going to step in there, so Singletary's going to miss out on some of those touchdown opportunities. But, yeah, he's a guy from well, 20 yeah, to 20. You have Josh Allen, down. too, who, who likes to run the ball in when you get down close to the goal line there. So, I mean, he even – yeah, I, I like Devin Singletary. He's, he's, an interesting, he's an interesting guy, but – yeah, going right along with Brian there. Very, very slim touchdown chances. Yeah. Uh, moving on. I, I Dalvin know Cook, Derek Henry, anybody? I, I moved, yeah. I was just going <laughs> to talk about Dalvin Cook. I have him outside my top five simply because of the holdout. I don't know how that's going to happen, what's going to happen with that. I have him at six with Henry at seven. Uh, Hen, you know, Henry gets no passing work, so he is completely touchdown dependent. I think he's going to get the yardage. He'll probably, he may very well end as the rushing champion again. I personally don't have him there, but that's not to say that I don't have him as second or third in rushing yards. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Derek Henry comes in at number six based because solely because he doesn't get any of the passing work, um, but he is going to be a beast. I mean, he had 906 yards after carry last year, that or yards after contact, almost 1,000 yards after contact alone. That's that's a hard man to bring down. Um, Dalvin Cook comes in at number eight. If he, if it wasn't for the holdout, this guy would probably be my number two back. But the holdout makes me nervous. We saw what helped happen to Melvin Gordon last year. We saw what helped happen to Le'Veon Bell. Even as even in, even he, even when he came back off of his season off, you know, and, and and we've talked about the Jets, and I think you'll see you'll see as we continue this podcast uh, that we're all pretty low on the Jets as long as uh, Adam Gase is at the helm, but. He comes in at number eight again solely because of the nervousness about the um, the the holdout. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I have Dalvin Cook at eight. Um, my biggest thing with him being at eight, he he's obviously like a top five potential guy, but it comes down to the injuries every single year, um, dating all the way back to college. And you know, if you had him in fantasy last year, he might have killed your championship. Like that's when he went out, um, depending on how long your seasons run. Um, so. Just the inconsistency there. Derrick Henry, I think uh, – I personally have him down as far as 12 because um, just with a lot of people playing PPR, that that's tough. Um, he'd maybe be a little bit higher in a standard format league. 
Um, but I think that Derrick Henry is going to really struggle to move the ball this year. I think he is kind of a one-track pony, as I've mentioned uh, in some of the other podcasts with him being a stretch-cut guy. Um, I think that he'll still get, you know, 1,000-plus yards, but I, is it going to be 1,500? Is it going to be 16 touchdowns? I don't think it's anywhere near that, it, personally, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll move to our top five backs here uh, after this, but I just want to bring up kind of a sleeper that I have. Um, that I have in my honorable mentions is David Montgomery of the Bears. Uh, I, as you've heard, I'm not high on the Bears. He's kind of more of another volume guy for me, just because you can't trust Tariq Cohen to rush the ball. He's just too little. Uh, he will get the passing back, but they tried to make David Montgomery the guy last year, but they just weren't a good good enough team. Mitch Trubisky, you know, struggled with the ball. And so they just stack uh, the box on him. I think he's a great pick for those later rounds if you can get him because he's he is going to be the starting guy. He's going to get starting back volume, and he could be a great flex player, someone to sub in when those bye weeks start taking out your starting running backs. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, moving on to the top five. Um, at five. I've got Zeke Elliott. Um, might be a little low, uh, but it is low. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I I just see the potential. Um, the, well, okay. The only other person I see that in the top five that I see having being lower is actually Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I, ha- I I don't know. I just I I think Dallas is in a weird transitional place with what they're doing with Dak and and. Everything. I mean, they, they, he got, Zeke got paid. I don't know. We'll see what his motivation looks like after that, but I, I don't know. I, he's not the best cat pass catching back, uh, but he's, he's proven that he can rush. Um, he, 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 he's proven that he's had the rushing title two years, uh, two years, not in a row, but uh, two years ago. Um, for me, Nick Chubb is number four, uh, comes in. Behind a garbage offensive line and a poor, poor play calling coach, he comes in with 758 yards after contact, and they massively improved that offensive line. Going back to, I think you're going to see a theme from me. I'm real high on the Browns this year because I haven't heard anything out of them. They haven't had any distractions. They're working, and I think Nick Chubb is. He's definitely in the top five. He could he could be the lead rushing uh, the the rushing title holder at the end of the season. He could be the number one uh, back at the end of the season. His touchdown uh, count was super low last year, and and I just see that changing so so much. Uh, number three, CMC. I just I know he's a, a god. Wow. <laughs> he's a god amongst men, you know. But I, I think they're rebuilding this. They're they're rebuilding that team. And they're not going to run him into the ground. They need him for when the rebuild is done. Uh, after that, I have Alvin Kamara. We know that that's we know that that system and that offense is going to run like a well-oiled machine. We know we've seen what Alvin Kamara can do. Uh, I do his touchdown um, count was way down last year, like like Chubb, but for different reasons. I think that I think that has a. Uh, 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 what am I trying to say? Uh, a, a reawakening. Uh, you know, I think that I think his touchdowns come back to to the to the average this year. And then number one, Saquon Barkley. Um, even though the Giants aren't going to win a lot of games, he's going to be part of the. He's going to be in the passing game. They did improve that offensive line, and, and he came in with the uh, the second most uh, yards after carry or yards after contact, uh, eight hundred and thirty six yards after contact rushing last year. So. I, he's to me. He's my number one back. He can do it all in, in a, on a team that doesn't have a lot of bright spots. He's he's the ones that shines brightest. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think we all have the same five guys in our top, and it's just kind of going to be down to your opinion of who you think is going to have the better year this year. Um, I personally have Nick Chubb at number five, uh, just due to the fact of having Kareem Hunt there. He's you know he's he's never going to be the go-to pass catcher. And then, you know, the other four guys on this offense or uh, on, on this ranking are um, they, they do have that PPR potential that Nick Chubb just doesn't have. Um, that being said, I, I do think Nick Chubb is in the top two in rushing this year. 
whether it be touchdowns, yards, I think he's going to have a really big breakout year. Uh, number four, I have Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, I, I struggle even having him that low. I think he is the best just running back in the NFL right now. Um, obviously, we've seen that with the numbers he puts up from a rushing standpoint. Uh, Dak is getting more comfortable getting the ball to him. Uh, they designed the offense a little bit more around some screens and actually throwing him the ball because they're learning that he can do something with that as well. Uh, Alvin Kamara at number three. I think he's just consistently been really, really good. But to me, he's never just been, you know, unbelievable. So he's never given me that that bit that he's just going to be that number one guy uh, as far as like in the running backs rankings. But he's always going to be in the top three. Uh, Saquon Barkley, a little bit of an improved offensive line. Now that you're working with their, his quarterback, uh, if he stays healthy, uh, again, he, he's just a proven commodity with everything that Nick said there. And then number one is just it. <laughs> I'm getting the dirty eye here. <laughs> number one is Christian McCaffrey because it's Christian McCaffrey, and he's he's one of the most intriguing running backs that we've ever seen. I mean, he's he's in that level with like, you know, he'll be remembered as guys like Marshall Falk, who just completely changed even the way that the running back position is valued and viewed for years to come. Um, I think with Teddy Bridgewater coming in, it opens up lanes for him to run because Teddy Bridgewater is maybe a middle-of-the-road quarterback, but he will hurt you if you give him the opportunity to. Uh, And that being said, he's also a very safe quarterback, so he will look to McCaffrey as check-down situations come up, uh, but also just to get the offense moving, just to give Teddy – you know, some confidence in the system. They're going to design some screens to get some quick completions out to CMC. Uh, he, he's he's going to repeat probably as the top fantasy player. I, I can't imagine anything else other than that happening. And I, it's my rankings, nothing against CMC. I think he's a fantastic NFL player, and I think he's going to change the landscape of the running back position. It's purely from a rebuilding team standpoint. They know they're going to need him. They, they destroyed Cam Wake by using him too much at the goal line and him himself calling his own number. They've seen what uh, the NFL can do to a person's body. So it's just, my ranking is solely on based on the team conserving Christian McCaffrey. Uh, let's see. Mine, I have number five is uh, Alvin Kamara. So I know you guys are talking having him in your top three, but to James' point, he's never the guy. They always have another guy, which it, before was Mark Ingram, and now it's uh, Latavius Murray, and those guys are more the goal line work. Not saying Alvin Kamara is pretty efficient at the goal line as well, but he, I don't think he's ever broken 200 carries. and uh, He hasn't needed to. He's got the, the, the passing game. He's, he's been productive without the 200 carries. He's got the passing game, and he can break. he's a home run hitter. He's going to be on the field a lot, and he can take it to the house in any one given touch. Yeah, but when you when you can expect a hundred catches a year, I mean, that's good if you're a receiver in a PPR league. I understand, that, but I think game now script you, wise, the Saints are a great team. They're going to be ahead. I, I, in a lot I do of understand. Games. I do understand what you're saying. I, I completely agree. I just think you maybe have a little low, but yeah, I, you Carry know, on. I probably will at the end of this. But like to me, last year I went and picked up Latavius Murray off like waiver wires just to start him and. I was not disappointed, and that's probably going to happen again this year. And if Latavius Murray does well, that's taking points right out of Alvin Kamara's pocket, so to speak. Not to go down the rabbit hole, but this is Breeze's last run. So, I, I mean, they're going to they're gonna throw the kitchen sink out there. They're going to try to score a lot of points and get to the, to the Super Bowl. But continue on, sir. Next at four, I have Nick Chubb. He is my personal pick to be the rushing champion, and the reason why – and not that's not the only reason why I have him above the next great pure rushing back of Derrick Henry is just because even with uh, Kareem Hunt there, Chubb will still get more passing work than Derrick Henry. And that's why I have him higher on that list. Uh, next is Saquon Barkley. Um, he's great running back. No one disputes that. But the Giants are still going to be a bad team. And that's going to game script him out. Rushing volume, obviously PPR is still going to be there, but I think the PPR is not going to even out where 
with like Ezekiel Elliott where he's getting 10 extra rushing touches in the second half because they're ahead in games. I don't know. Have you ever seen – well, Jason Garrett's gone. I was going to say, have you ever seen them when they have a lead in the fourth quarter and they throw the ball four times in a row and turn it over on downs? Just saying. That kind of stuff happens when you play – when you play for Dallas. So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, the next I would have is Zeke. He is the most proven running back during his career than anybody else. He's got two rushing titles. I think he is a more than capable pass catcher catcher. And he's shown that early on, he's had 50, 60 reception seasons. And I think he does that again. The only reason why they didn't last year is because they, uh, had Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and now they have C.D. Lamb. But I think really most of that is going to be on the departure of Jason Witten. I think Zeke Elliott kind of steps in as that new security blanket for Dak. Then next, I have CMC. And clearly a few weeks ago, Nick wasn't listening when I talked about his fantasy points. The guy had 470 fantasy points last year. He's projected at 330 or somewhere between 330 and 350 this year. So, yes, he's going to get less volume because they're going to want to conserve him because, yes, they might be in a rebuilding year, but they still have to try and compete. And even with a reduced volume, he's going to – how you can be 120 points short is is beyond me. I think he still outdoes what he's projected to do this year and is just mind-bogglingly good. Yeah, I like all that. I'm just going to jump back to Saquon Barkley here because you're wrong. Um, so Saquon Barkley in his rookie year put up more scrimmage yards than Ezekiel Elliott has ever put up in his entire career. So unless Saquon Barkley just is injured and just doesn't do what he he can do, I mean, the Giants haven't been good with him being there. Um, and so from a pure scrimmage perspective, from a pure PPR leagues and things of that nature, I love everything you're saying about Zeke. But in the same sense of just like how the offense works around like Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, I, I just go back to that. I mean, in in his rookie year, he had more scrimmage yards than Ezekiel has ever had in his career. It's close, but that just goes to show the potential that you have uh, with Saquon Barkley, and that's why for me, he'll 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 edge out Zeke every time in these type of situations. All right, guys, thanks for joining us this uh, this week for the Fantasy Running Back situ- uh, episode of All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time. More fantasy news coming at you next week. Uh, see you then.